ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Infield Dirt. This is episode 28. I know it's been, we'd like to first and foremost apologize. It's been what? I think our last episode was after the trade deadline. So it's been like three-ish weeks, three, two, three weeks, something like that. Kind of lose track of time. Um, but we're back and we are, we have got a lot to catch up on. Um, there's honestly too much to catch up on. I mean, we went through some peaks and valleys in like the couple of weeks that we were off. Um, man, feels good to be back though. What do you say, Matt? Yeah, no, it feels good to be back. Uh, you know, summertime, it's a little, a little harder to do these sometimes, but you know, I feel like yeah. the last time we did this, I think the Mets had a four game lead in first place. Yeah. So mm-hmm. that, that yeah, tells you all you need to know right there, folks. I mean, that's, that's actually, that's a great place to start. Um, we wrote down, obviously. So we got some notes here for, uh, you know, for our topics and that was one of them. And it was kind of that, you know, the two New York teams since the trade deadline seemed to go in completely opposite directions where, you know, we talked about the acquisitions that the Yankees made and, uh, and, you know, how they were maybe questionable. Did they do enough to get pitching? Um, obviously, the answer is, you know, probably not. But regardless of that, they've been playing really well. And they find themselves, as we sit today, I believe, only two and a half games back of Boston for a wild card spot. So um, they're doing good. They're doing good. But like you said, the Mets did have a four game lead in the NL East and they are now two games back of first place. And also they're in third place. So um, shit basically is what that is. So uh, I don't know. I mean, what, what were some of the things you saw over these couple of weeks that sort of took these teams in opposite directions? I mean, I think, well, for the Yankees to start getting Rizzo really jump started them. And then, He's been out with COVID the past few days, but that offense, I mean, Aaron Judge has been hot lately. Um, they beat the White Sox again today. This is Sunday. So they took two out of three, even though they blew the Field of Dreams game, which was sick. Yes. Uh, good job, MLB. That, was, that game was awesome. Yeah. Hopefully that comes back. I think it is. But uh, right now the Yankees are doing good. Like, um, you know, they're swinging the bats really well. They're getting just enough starting pitching. So, uh, right now, it's going to come down to you know, can they catch Boston or Oakland, which is not an easy thing to do. I think you know all three of those teams are going to win ninety games, so that's that's not an easy thing to catch. But um, with the Mets, it's just you know like you said, they've been going in the wrong direction. It started with you know at Philadelphia against swept yeah. tonight. You know they're they're on the verge against swept at home by the Dodgers. Uh, it's, you know schedule. Everyone knows they've got to play the Giants and the Dodgers next, I think, 10 uh, before it loosens up with them. I think after that, they play the Marlins and the Nationals Nationals. for 15. So, yeah, that's a good stretch for them. So, if I was a Mets fan and, you know, player on the Mets, I'd be saying let's stay, you know, within two or two or three back of the Braves until we get to that stretch with the Marlins and the the Braves, or not the Marlins, (laughs) Nationals. Uh, You can uh, make up some ground there. Agreed. Yeah, no, that, I, I mean, it's, you know, watching, I had the chance. So my, I had, the, my grandparents were in town and my grandpa's a huge Yankees fan. So we were simultaneously flipping back and forth from the Yankee games and the Mets games that weekend um, when they played the Phillies. And I believe the Yankees were playing the Mariners. 
And there was just a different energy in the Yankees dugout than you saw with the Mets. Like, obviously they dropped back. They were only, you know, whatever it was a half game up by the time they got to that Philadelphia series. But, um, you know, still the, I mean, you're a team and you're playing your in your division rival. This is the team that's been nipping at your heels for first place all year long. Um, you know, you got a three game series coming up with them where you have the chance to pull away from them a little bit more and get some momentum back on your side. And their dugout is just dead and lifeless. Um, I mean, you look in there, they look like they were defeated already in those games. And then obviously they just, they did not hit, um, you know, they did, they, they pitched generally well enough to keep themselves in each game, but their offense over that stretch was just absolutely brutal brutal to watch. Um, I think over the 10 game period where they were like two and eight or something, they scored two and a half runs per game on average, which, you know, that's not going to do it for you. Um, doesn't do it for anyone. Yeah. I know. And I know up to that point, they were 44 and 10 when scoring four or more runs. So it's a pretty, it's a pretty obvious recipe for success. All you have to do is score more than three runs and you're going to win the game basically because the pitching has been, you know, their pitching has been phenomenal all year. Um, you're seeing some of the starting pitching start to regress. Tyler McGill has been fantastic, but you know, he's, he only pitched, he started in double a this year before going to triple a for a couple of games and then coming up. So it's not like he's got, um, you know, a whole lot of workload to build off of. And then someone like Taiwan Walker, who's been regressing until last night when he pitched against the Dodgers, you know, he only pitched 67 innings the past two seasons combined. So you got that to worry about, um, you know, I mean, Stroman's been Stroman all year. And then I wrote down too, you know, something we could touch on quick is, you know, DeGrom being shut down again for another two weeks, um, not having him. I mean, you feel it, you know, I know the Mets have a lot of good pitchers, but you miss when the best pitcher in the world is not pitching every fifth day, like you feel that shit. So um, I think uh, it's, it's pretty clear why, why they, uh, why they have not been winning games. Yeah. The whole DeGrom thing. I mean, that just sucks. You know, he might be done for the season as a fan of baseball and just a fan of the Mets. Like you want to see that dude out there. He's a stud. Um, but I mean, it looks like they're just, it looks like the Mets are just playing like a tremendous amount of stress and pressure. Yeah. You can see it where, you know, they're, they're playing really hard, but they're, you know, they're, they realize that they're in New York and, you know, the expectation for them is to win this division. Yeah. And it feels like, you know, in every one of those games, whether it's Philadelphia or so far in the Dodger series, it's been a one run loss, you know, late in the game where, you know, and the, it's not like the bullpen's been pitching bad or the rotation's the been bad, been particularly. But it's just, but yeah, but it, you know, it's just like, man, they're just. It feels like every night they're so close, and they play these great games, and then they walk away with a one-run loss, and you're just kind of heartbroken because, you know, it's like, wow, a couple of things go our way, we win that game. Yeah. But you know. yeah, it's it's honestly it's sometimes hard to be the po- to be like a positive Mets fan because you know, you're, you're watching these games and it's like, they, you know, it'll be four nothing. And then finally in this, like, it seems like they go one or two ways with their offense. They either, um, they either go 
three runs, four runs in the first inning and then nothing the rest of the game, or they don't score a run until like the seventh inning. And then they finally start chipping away. And that Philly series was like such a classic example of it where they would do nothing the whole game. And then like, just as you're ready to just be like, I'm not watching this shit anymore. Like you get to the ninth inning and then in the, in game three, they hit three straight home runs in the ninth inning, then get a base hit. And then what do they do? Foul pop up. And then Pete Alonso and JD Davis swing through six straight fastballs. Like as a, I mean, you know, I know like it's been a while since you and I have, uh, you know, consistently hit against live pitching on a regular basis, but you know, in your time in high school and my time in high school, like you and I know when you're hitting, like you should never miss a, like you should never be fooled by a fastball. Like there's you, like if someone throw, unless the guy's throwing one Oh two, like you should never be beat three straight times by a fastball, let alone when you're a major league hitter and it's Ian Kennedy throwing 93. Like there's no way that you should be beat yeah. by a fastball like that. Well, like, I mean, it's, something where yeah. I was like, what is going on? It, and then it becomes, uh, if you're, you know, if he's throwing five straight fastballs, it's kind of a pride point, pride thing at that point. Like, you just got to say to yourself, if he beats me here, it's not with another fastball. I'm not, I'm not looking like an idiot again, but right. Yeah. You know, that's, that was tough. I think, but I mean, and we talked about it. I remember talking about it like a couple weeks ago and when they had that four or five game lead after deadline, we were saying, you know, if you're the Mets, don't let Philadelphia, Atlanta, you've let them hang around. You know, they're not, yes, they're not playing great at that point, but it's like, if you let them hang within four or five games, something can happen. And that's exactly what did happen. Yeah. I mean, I just don't think anybody expected it to go downhill that quickly. Yeah. I think that was the most. Like, it was, shot. it was literally within like a week, a seven yeah. day span. It was the Mets were up four games. So now we're down a game. Yeah. Now we're in third place. Yeah. 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 Crazy to watch. Um, yeah, but anyways, we'll, we'll move on from the abysmal New York Mets talk. Let's talk, let's talk about the most recent thing that's actually like within the last couple of hours. So, you know, obviously we mentioned DeGrom at the beginning of the year at the, you know, the halfway point, you're talking about him maybe being NL MVP. Then it gets to the point where like, he's sitting out with all these injuries. It looks like Tatis is a lock for MVP. He goes down with the injury. Everybody's like, well, who's going to win NL MVP? Cause if Tatis comes back, it's his. And guess what? He came back and first game back, he's in right field. Um, basically, you know, every game Tatis has played right field in his major league career, he's hit two home runs. So, I mean, small sample size to be fair, but I mean, Christ, this guy is incredible. Why don't you just, I mean, like, I know he's been hurt his first game back and Grisham's pretty cool, but man, it would have been sick for them to put him in center. <laughs> like, it would be an absolute beast in center field for us. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I could see that too. He's just a freaking athlete, but why not stick him in right field and just let him let his bat yeah. eat in the middle of the lineup and he's showing it. Oh. So I, I mean, I think like, as of now, like if he stays healthy the rest of the season, you've got the NL MVP right there. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. I mean, they really needed him back today too. God, yeah. they, I mean, that's a team that's been slipping a little bit and not even to, I mean, they've lost, they lost the first two to Arizona. I mean, we can talk about that no hitter um, Mm -hmm. last night too, but man, the Padres just, it's crazy because that lineup, even without Tatis is still stacked, you know, from top to bottom. So there's no way they should be losing to the diamondbacks back to back nights. And, um, but you know, it is what it is. And, uh, 
getting you know Tatis back, he hits a couple home runs. You know, whatever it takes, I guess. But they definitely are a team that, that they need to get going a little bit. Yeah, I agree. I mean, they're still an elite team, I think. But um, but yeah, it's uh, it's it's nuts. The the difference that you know, you talk about baseball teams sometimes, and you know the difference between baseball teams and you know maybe an NBA team or something like that, where one player on an NBA team can make all the difference. And you talk about baseball is like, well, you know, one player, you know, isn't necessarily going to make or break your, your team, but, or the game or whatever it is. But I mean, you've seen like, you know, obviously we talked about the Mets not having to Grom out there. Like there's a, like, it does something to your team's confidence and your team's, you know, you know, the, the mental, uh, you know, stress that it puts on when you don't, when you know that you don't have that guy to lean on every fifth day, or you don't have Tatis to lean on in the middle of your order to have a good at bat every time up there and, you know, make something happen in the field or at the plate, you know, that stuff can wear on you as a team. And I think that, you know, this could be the thing that jumpstarts San Diego, you know, whether or not they catch the Dodgers is one thing, but man, I don't, I mean, not to move on from San Diego, but I don't see anybody catching the Giants at this point. Mm-hmm. No, I, I totally agree. And it's, I mean, it's nuts to think about, but when you really look at their team, they're a really good team. That Chris Bryant move yeah, out of Baez, Rizzo, and Bryant being dealt. And Rizzo's been very good for the Yankees. I think Chris Bryant's the Giants was, or at least is going to be the most successful. Yeah. I think he's just made a really big impact on an already really good team. Um, it's crazy to me that the Dodgers got Scherzer and Trey Turner, and they're still not any closer to catching the Giants, but that's how good the Giants have been. Um, it, it's, you know, I think it's it's definitely time that everyone, you know, acknowledges the Giants, not only as a team that's going to make the playoffs, but as a legit World Series team, because, I mean, this team – the whole year all they've done is win and they've beaten good teams. So, um, yeah. you know, obviously to win that division ahead of the Padres and Dodgers, they're, they're pretty stacked. I mean, the giants, like we can say it how it is. They're the best team in baseball, I think. Yeah. And uh, at this point, there's no denying that with, you know, like you said, with the addition of Chris Bryant, I mean, that was, you know, they were already the best team in baseball at that point record wise. But I mean, you had a guy like that who can play almost every position and at an MVP level, you know, that's going to really help. And they're, you know, we've said their pitching staff is, you know, even with their pitching slap staff slowing down a little bit, it hasn't seemed to hurt them at all. All they've done is hit better. Um, You know, Buster Posey is playing at his MVP level again, Brandon Belt is playing at an all-star level. Brandon Crawford found his all-star game again. So, um, you know, this, and, and, you know, you got to give credit to the Giants front office and like finding these guys um, who are able to, you know, fill the needs that you have while also like, you know, sniffing out the, the talent that other teams are overlooking, like guys like Darren Ruff, have been contributors mm-hmm. for the giants this year. I mean, he's a guy that probably wasn't on anybody's radar to start the year. So um, it's just been super impressive. And, you know, obviously the general manager, I don't remember. I don't know if he's the general manager, baseball operations president, but um, he came from the Dodgers. So, well, you know, it makes, you a lot of sense. it makes a lot of sense. Um, but I, I think it starts up there and, you know, 
credit to the players, obviously, who have just been doing a tremendous job. Um, so, yeah, I mean, give the Giants some credit and, uh, you know, give the Brewers some credit, too. Let's talk about yeah. the Milwaukee Brewers. I know at the All-Star break, we talked about, you know, maybe did, did Cincinnati have a chance to catch them? I think now it's getting to the point where Cincinnati's got a legit chance to get that second wild card spot. Mm-hmm. Milwaukee has just like gone to another level and it's on the back of, you know, um, Woodruff Burns and Freddie Peralta and obviously Hader and Williams in the bullpen. And then their offense is starting to click a little bit. Yeah. I mean, first of all, I think Willie Adamas has really just taken off there. Um, I, you know, I, there's a lot of talk with him that he couldn't really see well in Tampa Bay at home, whatever mm-hmm. it is, the dude's been balling out for the Brewers. Um, Christian Yelich just come back. He's, you know, he's not the Christian Yelich pre-injury, the MVP Yelich that we're used to, but he's been swinging the bat better lately. Lorenzo Cain's been doing his thing. Um, it's just that offense top to bottom lately has just been really putting together good games and, mm-hmm. Um, really coming together, which is a scary thing because that team only needs, you know, three to five runs a game to win with that pitching staff. If you're asking the other team to score more than five runs against them, that's just not going to happen most nights. So, I mean, that's why they're having a lot of success. Um, and the reds too. I mean, they're they're That's why I think San Diego really needs to, um, pick it up a little bit because the Reds are right there. I mean, that offense is legit. Joey Votto, I mean, is that Barry Bonds or Joey Votto? <laughs> like, that dude is just – it went. I mean, Joey Votto went from being a guy who was borderline kind of washed up for the past yeah. few years to all of a sudden, like, this dude just, you know, hits everything. Like, he's just – you know, he's back to being one of the best hitters in baseball. It was crazy. Yeah. Um, so that line of top of bottom, years old too. I mean, yeah, he just had, you know, he came back to life. It's nuts, but I don't know what got into him, but Jesus, we only need some of that stuff. I mean, yeah, I don't so, think there's a single baseball fan who doesn't love Joey Votto. Oh, Joey Votto is the man. Yes. Yeah. Like, you can't not like Joey Votto. I mean, yeah. there's just like all the interactions he has with fans, the way he talks about like, you know, idolizing guys like Ted Williams and stuff like that. And just the, the, the student of the game that he is, he's just, he, he's the best. Yeah, no. And then and he's just, yeah. When he was going on that stretch of hitting home runs, it seemed like every single night and then he'd come back and he'd point to the back of his Jersey and, you know, he knows what's up. He's, he's yeah. a dude, but um, I heard a funny story um, that Todd Frazier told when he was on the Reds, he said that, uh, you know, he used to get, you know, he used to kind of um, try and get under Votto's skin by like, you know, pushing him. And he'd be like, you know, if, if they'd be, you know, hitting in the cages, he'd be like, come on, Joey, what was that? Like if he made a like, you know, if he had a bad swing or something. And I guess one time he said it at the wrong time and Votto flipped out and he was like, Google me, bro. <laughs> Which is something like that's, that's such a good comeback. Like if some guy, especially Todd Frazier, come on, Todd. Um, but uh, Jesus. It's hilarious and awesome. awesome. Joey Votto doing that. That's so, sick. Um, yeah, you got to give him credit. You got to give the Reds yeah. credit, like we said. So, um, well, I mean, and that's just yeah. I mean, we were just you know listening to you talk about these guys like Joey Votto and and Buster Posey and Brandon Crawford, like yeah. these guys that everybody just kind of said they're too old, and you know it's been a few years since they really put together a really great year. I mean, they're those are a couple of guys that are you know hit the time machine and they're just absolutely having monster years for the team. And I, you know, I honestly like, 
yes, it would be great to see a Dodgers, you know, Padres wild card game, whatever. But I really wouldn't mind seeing the Reds in there. I think that team's scrappy. Jonathan India is stud at the leadoff spot. Um, they've Rookie got a of bunch year, of right? dudes. Question. Yeah, I mean they've they've yeah they're just it's a really good team. Um, and honestly, like it makes it more exciting. Like if yeah. they can come up and you know maybe we get a you know Reds. Padres little playing game too. I always love those. So mm-hmm. you know, anything to spice up a little bit. That would be a pretty electric. Yeah. I mean, man. Yeah. You mentioned Jonathan India, probably, probably a, a lock. We talk about MVP and Tatis being a lock for that. I mean, Jonathan India has got rookie of the year under his belt already. I think. Yeah. Um, I mean, do you think so. he's got the best hair in baseball too? That hair is pretty. Legit. Yeah. Yeah. The hair and beard combo. I mean, he's like a yeah. pirate out there. Manning yeah. uh, third base. So yeah, it takes some serious work to get that hair that long. I'm proud of him. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Great player. And uh, yeah, he did a good interview on, um, on the Chris Rose rotation too. So if anybody listens, I, I recommend checking that out. He seems like a super cool dude. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean that, you know, you talk about uh, the best records in baseball, it goes giants and then brewers, man. So, I mean, the, the Brewers are legit. We talked about them a little bit already. But, yeah, um, you know, to kind of, you know, move on from the AL, um, or before we do that, you know, baseball, the game of baseball always, you know, a couple of times a year will give you these moments where, um, you know, you think that, you know, everybody always says, like, oh, the baseball gods are doing this. But they're real like – it gives you moments where you're like, okay, this whole notion of the baseball gods might actually be real. And, you know, we saw that in Arizona last night, um, Tyler Gilbert, um, his first major league start through a no hitter against the, uh, the Padres. I feel like we can't, can't have a podcast without talking about that because man, what a, what a start to your major league career. Yeah. I mean, that's, I don't even know if people dream it up like that. Cause that's just insane. Like, yeah. For especially for the Diamondbacks season that they've been having, I mean, they've just had a brutal season. Yeah. Get a little, you know, glimmer of hope and light. Mm-hmm. It's an awesome thing. Um, that place was going pretty nuts for it. Um, and then just to, I mean, how crazy that is to, you know, I bet you 48 hours ago, he's sitting in AAA or whatever, double A, just chilling. And then mm-hmm. next thing you know, not only are you making a start in the big leagues, but you know, you're throwing a no hitter too. Like at some point you got to be thinking during the game, like, is this real? Like, am I really going to do this? And then you get down to it and it happens. Um, just an extraordinary game. And, you know, for that, for that to happen, your first start, like, I, I don't even know, you know, like has, I bet you, he, I don't even know how you come down from that. You know, like when he that's gives crazy. up his first hit, is he like, ah, oh, you know, like, yeah, you know, that's Damn just yeah. that's nuts. <laughs> He gave up a hit. Yeah, yeah I know. It's, it's insane. You sent me a really f- – it was only 101 pitches too, so it's not like he yeah, he was, had to throw 120, it's 130 like, pitches it's, to get it done. It was very efficient. It's like, dude, you, like I feel like somebody on that team after has got to be like, dude, honestly, like, just a heads up, it's really not supposed to be that easy. Yeah, so right, like, exactly. Yeah. You know. I, yeah, moments like that are so awesome. You sent me a funny text last night. It was uh, – um, he's – so – Matt Chase sent me a text and it said uh, it was like it was a, a gif of Michael Scott in an episode where he uh, goes to New York to visit Ryan. And he for those of you uh, office fans out there and he's like, I am going 
to go get laid. And he said, and he, he goes under the, that gif, he goes, <laughs> Tyler Gilbert after the game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If that's not good enough for your resume at the bars, I don't know what is. So. Yeah. Um, geez, just awesome. Thanks. Um, but yeah, I mean, it just shows you that the, even the worst teams, the teams that have lost 80 games already this year, like the diamondbacks, um, even those teams can have, you know, great moments throughout the year. That's what's so great about baseball. So, um, you know, but we talked about the AL a lot or the NL, excuse me, but let's talk about the AL. And, you know, I talked about, you know, those baseball God moments, but, you know, you mentioned the, um, I want to touch on it real quick. The, um, the field of dreams game. Um, I know we've been basically just brutally shitting on major league baseball for the entire season, but man, they finally did something right. It seems like, um, because that was just such an awesome thing to watch. Yeah. I mean, that was, that was insane. Like it was, it kind of, you know, and I'm pretty sure this for everybody, but it brought you back to being a kid. Yeah. And like, to actually have a game like that where it felt like a game you would dream up as a kid mm-hmm. and to watch the home runs go into the corn and like the intros and all that stuff. It was yeah. awesome. It really was. It was a great game too. Yeah. Um, you know, the ninth inning judge and Stan hitting two run homers was sick. And then Anderson mm-hmm. walking it off obviously was yeah. that just topped it off. Um, but it was the great atmosphere. I, you know, I, at the beginning of the game, um, Joe Buck was like, it feels like the fans aren't sure if they should cheer or not. Like it kind of had that vibe of just being like so cool that like, you know, nobody and nobody had seen it before. Nobody really knew what to do like as a fan, but um, man, it was a cool, really cool event. And yeah, major league baseball, it knocked out of the park for once. So yeah. Good job. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it was just like, I'm, I'm still speechless. Like just thinking about it now. I remember watching that. Um, you know, when Kevin Costner came out of the, I, I love that movie too. So like, there's one yeah. thing that brought back some nostalgia. I used to watch that movie all the time when I was younger and I kind of like forgot about like how beautiful that movie is. And, and, uh, you know, when I saw that, uh, you know, Kevin Costner come out of the corn and then you see, um, and then the players coming out of the corn, I got chills seeing that. I mean, that was one of the coolest things I've ever seen in my entire life. Just what and what a thrill it must have been for those guys to walk out of the corn too. Just so so cool and like you said, like you know, no pun intended, but Major League Baseball really did knock it out of the park. It was 100%. awesome, awesome. The camera angles were awesome. I mean, like every broadcast for every team, especially the national broadcasts, like World Series broadcast stuff like that. Take notes from that shit because that mm-hmm. was unreal. Those one, those little angles that they had, yeah. Down kind of oh man. well and the, the part i loved and like i absolutely like when i saw this i was so excited they didn't have the box on the tv yeah. showing the strike zone like i when they when they leave that out i like that so much more yeah. because you know like i when i'm watching a game like i like to have my own judgment i don't need the mm-hmm. box to show me oh that ball was a foot outside because yeah. that really that makes me more upset yeah that it was confirmed it was a ball so yeah. I was like, I'd rather just, you know, tell myself, ah, oh, look, it was close, you know, we'll yeah. call a strike. Yeah, that's a good point. You know, it does kind of take away from that, you know, human element of the game where you're just like, oh, my eye, like my eye is telling me that that's a strike or my eye is telling me that that's a ball. Mm-hmm. So, um, and then, yeah, you're right. What a game. 
what a game that was. Um, just like, like major league baseball and, you know, the people putting that game together can do everything they can to make sure that the stage is set and all of that. And the game is up to the players and the teams and they did not disappoint. So, um, yeah, but just, just fantastic. Um, so, you know, but we, we, you know, we talk about the AL a little bit and, uh, you know, you talk about some of the better teams in, in major league baseball. I mean, I, I know like their record isn't where the Rays are Houston is, or, you know, the San Francisco giants, but the Chicago white Sox are a damn good baseball team. Yeah, no, they really are. I mean, that rotation, we know, we all know it's legit. Yeah. Um, that back end of the bullpen is Kopech, Crochet, Hendricks and Kimbrell. Yeah. I mean, that bullpen is insane. Yeah. And then you get Eloy Jimenez back and Luis Roberts. And Jimenez just seems like, I mean, he mashes everything, just absolutely crushes baseballs. Yeah. Luis Roberts is the same thing. Um, White Sox are, they're a damn good team. Um, yeah. But I really, you know, like watching that series with the White Sox and Yankees, the Yankees, like, they took two out of three. They're really not that far off, no. in my opinion. And the Yankees might not even make the playoffs, which shows you how good the American League is. But those two teams really aren't that far off. Yeah. No, I'm with you. I'm with you. Um, you know, the, the I think the White Sox, you know, I'm not I'm honestly not sure what because like on paper you look at that and the White Sox should be better than the Yankees, I think. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, they the Yankees like they played them tough in those games. Like none of those were gimmies. So um you know, and you're right. They took two or three. So, you know, there's something to be said for that. And especially, you know, like the White Sox have been playing in kind of a weak division. Um, you know, I know people talk about that a lot, but like, you know, you got to give the White Sox respect where, where it's due. So, um, but yeah, I mean, you know, you talked about at the beginning of the podcast that the last time we recorded the Mets were in first place, Well, last time we recorded the Red Sox were also in first place as well. And they had a huge slide um, letting the Yankees get, uh, you know, within a couple of games and, you know, letting Tampa Bay overtake first place to where they're now three games back of Tampa in second place now. So, um, you know, what do you think has gone wrong with the Red Sox so far? And, you know, do you see them getting back on track? Yeah, I think it's a combination of their offense kind of going through a little slump and then the, the pitching side of it. Um, struggling as well. They kind of went through a stretch where everything went wrong. But, you know, I, I do think they'll, they'll be all right. They're, they're, I think they've swept Baltimore this um, weekend, which is good. Chris Sale came back, which he looked great, which is bad news for the rest of the American League. Mm-hmm. Uh, their offense has been much better, as it should, facing Baltimore. But, you know, I, I think it was just one of those things where you go through a 10-game stretch and you go 2-8. and eight, It happens to every team in the regular season. So I think they'll be all right. Um, that lineup's just way too good um, yeah. to, to slide like that. But it did let the Yankees and the Blue Jays, you know, creep a little closer, uh, which makes it, you know, exciting as well. And I think it for a lot of teams, it just comes down to their schedule. You know, when the Red Sox, you get a break in the schedule, you play Baltimore. Next thing you know, you win three in a row. It's a lot easier to beat Baltimore than it is to, you know, when you're playing Tampa and New York and, you know, the better team. So, No, I agree. And, you know, you – you think about, you know, and obviously Boston is a much better team than the Mets, but they kind of had a similar, you know, fall from the top where, 
you know, both of their offenses went cold at just the wrong time and other teams around them got hot at the right time. And, you know, you talk about the Red Sox getting Chris Sale back. That's like the best trade deadline acquisition you can hope to get. You know, it's the equivalent of that. I mean, you're getting the best starting pitcher anyone is getting at the trade deadline now. Um, and, you know, you kind of look at the Mets in that way with with Syndergaard, if he's able to come back or something like that. But, you know, it's a lot different. So, um, and obviously, like I said, the Red Sox are a much better team and, a, you know, probably a World Series contender. So um, it'll be interesting to see what they do. But, um, you know, you got to give credit. Another talk about the American League is is Oakland because, you know, we talked about them potentially falling out of that second wild card spot. And, you know, they've really put their foot on the gas and Starling Marte has been phenomenal. Um, you know, he's really stepped up, you know, obviously Ramon Laureano went down with the PED suspension, which was something I don't think anybody saw coming, yeah. and, you know, really just a, a tough thing to see. Um, but they're at the point now, I mean, they're challenging Houston for the top of that division. So um, I like, do you think that they can get there or do you think um, you think the wild, that wild card spot is kind of as high as they go? I do. I do think they can catch Houston. I think that Marte, Jan Gomes, and Harrison were very good pickups for them. That made their offense um, much better, which now their offense is, you know, it's clicking well. And that's even without Matt Chapman really doing much. So um, they've had the starting pitching and the bullpen. And I think also Houston, they're without Bregman. They've had their injuries. They've just kind of, we haven't really talked about Houston much. They've just been doing their thing where they're in first place and just kind of cruising. And I think Oakland's putting some pressure on them. So, you know, I don't, I don't see Houston running away with it, but I do think Oakland can catch them for first place. Now, is it going to be easy? No, I don't see the Astros just falling off a cliff, but, um, you know, I, I do think the the A's can, if they keep playing good baseball, they can definitely make things interesting, you know. And uh, who knows in September, too. As long as you're within two or three, even to the last week of the season, you know, crazier things have happened. So they just keep hanging around. You never know. Yeah, absolutely. You talk about making things interesting. I want one question I want to ask, uh, you know, one of the last topics before we wrap it up, but which race are you most excited to watch coming down the stretch in the end of the season here coming up? And I know like a lot of things can change from now until the end of the year. I mean, obviously we're only in the middle of August, but you know, we've got, you know, a couple of examples, like obviously we've got the AL wild card, like we talked about, you got Oakland, you got Boston, you've got the Yankees two and a half back. You've got Toronto and Seattle five games back where like all three of those teams are capable of making a run. Then you've got the NL wild card where it's a little bit more crowded, where you've got LA, you got San Diego, Cincinnati, St. Louis hanging in there. We don't really talk about them that much, but you know, they're quietly, um, you know, uh, six games, uh, excuse me, five games above 500. And then obviously Philly and the Mets. Um, and then it's kind of funny, like the next closest team is the Colorado Rockies, but um, obviously they're not making up a 13 game gap. So um, and then, you know, the other one, and I'll go first because my, it's pretty obvious for me, like the one I'm most excited to watch is the, the NL East, because obviously, you know, it's got a pretty good chance of being a heartbreaking end, but it's going to be a very, very exciting one, no matter what. So um, you got one of those races that you're most excited to see. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm definitely with the, with the NL East. I'm excited to see that finish, but I'm going to go with the uh, National League wildcard mm. just because, um, 
like I think San, either if it's San Diego, if it's Cincinnati, or even the Cardinals who have been on a hot streak and got themselves back into it. Um, you know, all those teams have stars. They're all talented. And, you know, the best part about races is that, you know, it comes down to the end typically and one team or a couple teams don't make it that are very talented. Yeah. So finding out who's lucky enough to get into the playoffs is always exciting. And I think, you know, I really don't think Cincinnati's going anywhere. And I, I just, I think that this, you know, between San Diego and Cincinnati, it's going to come down to the last week, maybe even last weekend um, to see who gets that spot. But, um, you know, both, both teams are star studded. They're both, you know, loaded with talent. And I think it's going to be a really good finish. For sure. Yeah. Um, it's kind of funny, you know, you talk about, you know, Cincinnati's kind of in that team where you're like, well, are they really, you know, are they really going to hang around here? But man, Joey Votto said, Google me. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. You know that, and that's the thing you talk about, like, it's all about, um, you know, the team's remaining schedules. And a lot of times, like with these wild card races, it comes down to the last weekend of the season, like you said, and, you know, for, uh, for, um, for Cincinnati, their last weekend of the series is against the Pittsburgh Pirates. Um, so like that. it's a whole lot easier than that. Um, but, you know, for the Padres, uh, let's see who they play on the last schedule or the last uh, series. I'm going to say the Dodgers. That's my guess. I know. You know clue. what? Yeah. You, and they play, they play the San Francisco Giants. Ooh, so not too easy for them. You know, they've got to build up that. Yeah. So they played the, Dodgers and then they've got they've got three against the Dodgers and then three against the Giants to close it out whereas the Reds yeah. have got um the Pirates so yeah that that's something to think about you never know where teams will be at that point you know who knows Tati's coming back could jumpstart their offense their team but we'll see um last thing I want to talk about we got a couple minutes here let's talk about um because this is a problem that's been that's flown under the radar I think people know it exists, but nobody really talks about it. And it's something that uh, Noah Syndergaard actually brought to light uh, via Instagram recently. I don't know if you saw this, but um, I will read word for word what he said. Let's see. Um, I believe he tweeted this out. Um, I want to make sure I read it word for word so nobody uh, thinks that I'm um, making this up. But... Let's see, Noah Syndergaard. He said, hey, at MLB at ESPN, whose dumb fucking idea was it to change tomorrow's tomorrow's game to a night game when we're traveling to the West Coast after? Won't get in until Monday morning. Take on the first place Giants later that evening. Brilliant. So he's obviously referring to the fact the Mets were supposed to play a day game against the Dodgers today, but instead ESPN picks that game up and has it now as Sunday night baseball at 8 p.m. So if you think about that from a logical standpoint, now the Mets have to play a night game where there's a possibility the game doesn't get over because all these games have gone to extra innings, 11, 12 a.m. Now you've got to get on a plane immediately after that, fly out to San Francisco where you have to take on the Giants that night. So you're probably not getting in until 4 or 5 a.m., probably not getting to your hotel till 6 a.m., now you haven't slept, you know, a real night's sleep in however long. Jeez. I mean, this is, I mean, at a certain point, like you got to think for the major league baseball, like you got to put the players health first. I know I'm, it seems like I'm complaining because it's the Mets that have to do this, but like, 
it is pretty ridiculous when you think about it. Yeah. And I mean, they're, they're lucky that they don't even have a day game too. Cause I mean, if that was a one o'clock start, I'm not oh God, worse, God. but um, yeah, that that's pretty bad. That's really bad. And I know it's, you know, I know Sunday night baseball, they're trying to get the views and whatever, but yeah. I mean, come on, there's, there's always other games you can pick. Um, you know, yeah. And the White Dodgers Sox. don't have an off game either. The Dodgers go right to uh, they go they have to fly back to LA yeah. too and play the Pirates there. So and I, I mean there were other games. I mean you could have even done the White Sox Yankees again. You, I mean there there's always other games to pick. There's always other teams you could choose from. So to do that to the Mets is it's pretty brutal, you know. And I I do think tonight's game will be pretty awesome. I, I do like that matchup at City Field and Sunday Night Baseball, but you do have to consider. Um, the players health and the fact that the Mets have to fly to San Francisco is, um, you know, that's, that's definitely messed up. You think that this is something that when they, you know, cause obviously we're coming up, we've been talking about it all year, the collective bargaining uh, agreement. Do you think that this is something that works its way into the conversation where like players are like, look, if you've got this set schedule for Monday night, Sunday night baseball, like we are not playing the next day. Like this is like, this travel is too much for for some guys like we are you know for like over the span of 162 game season like that shit starts to add like you're worn down by this point it's the dog days we talk about all the time it's mid-august and then to go on basically zero sleep and have to go play the best team in baseball like that no matter what the circumstance you know like obviously the Mets are in a different position than a team could be at a different point in the year but for any team, no matter the circumstance to have to play then and then travel to the West coast or travel anywhere is tough. So do you think that works its way into that, that discussion? hundred percent. I really do. And I think typically, you know, generally the, you know, the schedule set is pretty good. You know, they do a, a really good job of, at least I think, you know, trying to, you know, um, you know, make the schedules best as they can for everyone. But then the day, I mean, making a major league baseball schedule is ridiculously hard. Like, to, you know, all these teams, they ask for certain things and, you know, flights and all this stuff. And, you know, we don't want a day game after night game traveling, all that stuff. Like they, I feel like, I feel like they do a good job of it. And mm. it's more on, you know, like ESPN and like major league baseball, I feel like shouldn't allow, you know, like, I think like the conversation should be, why are you allowing ESPN change our day game to a night game? Yeah. They knew we have to go to San Francisco even it's not even the fact that the Giants are in first place. It's the fact that we have to play a game. Yeah. Down Sunday right. baseball till probably 11 o'clock, get on a flight after all the media stuff, get there. God knows when, you know, and then play a game that night. That's just messed up. It, you know, so I feel like that definitely will be brought up. Um, you know, players hundred percent. Like we, as fans, we don't always even understand how hard it is. So, yeah. you know, as hard as I think it might be, you know, these guys are, you know, like they grind every day, they're worn down, they're tired to add on to that. Like you said, like, what are they going to get, you know, three hours on the plane to sleep, get there. I mean, what you go to the field? Like, it's just, um, it's, it's definitely a, a challenging thing. So yeah. I, I, it'll definitely be brought up. Yeah, I agree. I agree. It's something that they're going to have to talk about and, you know, as they, talk about players health more um, because that's coming to the forefront a lot um, as it has in in recent years and, and, you know, the last decade or so, you know, you've seen a lot more of that, but um, yeah, I mean, that's a good, good spot to wrap it up. Um, You know, a lot of good baseball, a lot of, obviously you talk about Sunday night baseball is going to be fun. 
Um, these are the dog days. You know, we talked about that for the last couple of weeks. And this is, you know, this is the time when, you know, teams that need to make a push start kicking it into gear if they have it, uh, if they have that juice in them. Um, so we'll see what happens. But um, I know uh, for us, we'll, we'll kick it into gear a little bit more. We've got uh, both of us rest in peace. We have to start school soon. So um, that's not fun. Um, but, uh, you know, um, oh, wow. I forgot Sunday night baseball did not start at eight today. It started at seven and the Dodgers are already up to nothing. So well, great you start. know what folks, what's so, new anyways, um, got to end it on a depressing note. So I'm going to yep. go watch the Mets lose. And, um, ladies and gentlemen, we will talk to you next week. Follow us on Instagram at infield dirt, of course. And, uh, let us know if you got any questions, anything we didn't talk about that you want us to talk about. Um, so uh, and we'll be sure to, to come to you with all that stuff. Anything to end it out? Your Cleveland, uh, your Cleveland Guardians. Yeah, Tristan that. McKenzie, baby. He looked good yeah. today. There you go. Know. Perfect. That's coming from a legitimate Cleveland Guardians yeah. fan, folks. You're so, damn straight. Uh, damn straight. Life for life. And uh, we'll talk to you next week.